A few minutes on health principles. Uh, this is in section, section one. And it would be I think it's the third or fourth page in. Okay, it's, it's about six or seven pages in. It's just after the 10 steps to optimum health, just after the wellness pyramid. Teaching health principles. Jesus wants to give us a choice between prosperity and death or or, or disaster, or life and death. He wants us to choose life. Now what do you and I have to do to choose life? We have to choose to follow him. What's important is it's a choice that we can make, each of us individually. Some of us, when we accept this health message, we no longer allow those that we interact with to have a choice. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have some of those exuberantly enthusiastic individuals who have become vegan and think that you have to become vegan, or have stopped drinking milk and think you have to stop drinking milk. While it was important for them to do that, it may not be important for you to do that yet. And that's OK. We have to give people's choice. I strongly believe that. That's why I don't tell. When I was doing clinical work, I never told my patients to become vegetarian. I told them to eat nine servings of fruits and vegetables, two or three servings of nuts and seeds, four or five servings of grains, eight or 10 glasses of water. And if they were still hungry, they can eat all the chicken they want. But they, they wouldn't. They didn't. They didn't have to. They didn't need to. And I took away that pressure on giving up what they thought was very important to them. Because I convinced them that they needed to eat fruits and vegetables, grains and nuts and seeds before they got to the stuff that used to keep them alive. You see? David's asking God to teach him how to live, O oh Lord. Do you believe that it possibly is far better to prevent disease than to know how to treat it? Yeah. This thing is so crooked, it just irritates me. How do we make it not crooked? I know. Maybe that's better. And it's our privilege to inform ourselves in regard to the laws of health. There are laws. And while I'm talking about that, while your mics are on, right? I, they were when I put them on. OK. Um, and it, truly is a privilege, but again, it's a choice. We choose to have that privilege. And we've even given our teenagers privilege choices. And um, I'm pleased to say that all three of my children are vegetarian today, most of the time. <laughs> my son, my second child, our second child, my son, um, pushed the envelope a little bit. And he was laying in his bed one day, and my daughter came by and said, you know Stephen's laying in bed? He's scratching himself all over. And, and I was kind of concerned about that, so I went in and observed. And here he's, he's getting these red blotches showing up all over his body. And I think he's going into anaphylactic shock because he's now having trouble breathing. So I called my neighbor. He's a physician. And I asked him to come over and bring some epinephrine. And we observed Stephen, and his body was just getting red. 
So I gave him a shot of uh, epinephrine, and it just disappeared. And then we started having a conversation with Stephen. And Stephen doesn't like to tell Dad the truth. <laughs> Say, what'd you do today? Nothing. Well, did you eat anything different? No, I did not. Well, you know, finally I got out with him that he had gone to a Chinese restaurant with some friends, and it had vegetable rice and shrimp. And he didn't know there was, he says, well, there was shrimp in it, and I knew these guys wanted it, and I didn't think it would bother me, so I just had a little bit. And praise God that my son Stephen is allergic to shrimp. And he did it under my presence so that we could cause him not to die. And he says, Dad, why do I have to be allergic to shrimp? It tasted so good. <laughs> so I had to go through the idea of how shrimp is an unclean food and not healthy for us. And yes, it tastes very good, uh, blah, 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 you know. And um, he needed that sledgehammer on the side of his head to realize that his mom and dad raised him as a vegetarian for a very good reason. Okay? Now he's six feet tall. He weighs, uh, he's really tall and thin, and you know, he's healthy, and he married a vegetarian wife, and, and um, that's wonderful. Um, they eat vegetarian. They've tested it a little bit, and that's okay. I don't mind them testing it a little bit. But I'm just glad Stephen was allergic because he really needs to know now there's good benefit in being a vegetarian. But we gave him the choice. And whether you give them a choice or not when they're at home, they will have that choice when you're not around. So I urge you to give them a choice when they're at home and guide them through their process of eating good, bad, and ugly food. Hopefully they'll end up with eating that good stuff. The body is the only medium through which the mind and soul are developed for the upbuilding of character. Whatever injures our health not only lessens our physical vigor, but tends to weaken the mental and moral powers as well. What decisions can a victim of dementia or Alzheimer's make now for future life? It's a tragedy today that we have these brain-wasting disease. Just a tragedy. Thankfully, understand we understand it is a disease. And they've made a spiritual decision before. They may not necessarily have to make one after the disease has manifested itself. But they also may make it every hour because they can't remember that they've made that decision. And that's OK. I found some Alzheimer's victims who can sing praises and wonderful, and they're lucid for a time. And that's something you might want to consider when you need to struggle and communicate with your um, mom or dad or grandpa or grandma. Um, I found also that if you put them on a treadmill and ex exercise them vigorously, that brief oxygenation to the brain cells may give you a few moments of lucidity with that person. I wouldn't do it outside of a physician or nurse supervision. So, but I've noticed that in the treadmills that I've been able to administer. Health improvement is a work of grace. This is found, OK, you found it there. Apart from divine power, no genuine reform can be effected. There's lots of things we can do, but we need to ultimately point them to the divine power. God always gives us freedom of choice. Invite people to good health. Again, I didn't tell my patients to be vegetarian. I said what? Eat nine servings of fruit. I'm going to say this enough so you just bounce right back. Nine servings of fruits and vegetables. Eight glasses of water or more. Three or four servings of whole grains. Multiple servings of nuts and seeds. And if you've got any room left, maybe you can have some of the Fake meats or the real meats? The fake meats are not much better, a little bit better than the fake meats. I've seen lots of vegetarians who become vegetarian but aren't vegetarian. 
they're still not eating fruits and vegetables. They're just eating fake meat. Okay. My wife and I, when we made a cookbook, we we made a cookbook that was, thank you, that the food looked good and tasted good. I've eaten lots of food that tastes bad. <laughs> and I can do that because I can. Okay? I don't really like it, but I can, and I do that. But there's something about good tasting food that tastes good. When my wife makes a healthy cookie that I know is healthy, that cookie tastes a whole lot better. In fact, I can't even eat the unhealthy cookies anymore. So accept people where they are. Don't judge them. Lead them by example. It's a personal responsibility is your health. Teach to empower, assist to think, and make decisions. You know, when, we, when our teenagers had their friends over, we brought pizza over, we brought soft drinks over, but we also had fruit juice. We also had um, a bowl of um, fruit and a bowl of uh, vegetables. They all disappeared. I mean, these kids were hungry. Um, so we had something that tasted good for the fast food ones, and we had something that tasted good for the healthy ones. God will not work in a miraculous manner to preserve the health of persons who are taking a sure course to make themselves sick. This is really a personal thing. We don't, want to we don't want to throw that at anybody's face. This is for you and me. You and me are taken to a higher standard. Okay? But you want to be careful how you share that with your participants. Because if, if you share that strongly, you may be judging them. And you're moving into an area that could get uncomfortable. Teach principles, not rules. Okay? This is why. It's not, the principle of being a vegetarian is not to eat less meat. The principle of a vegetarian is to eat what? Fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, drinking water, exercise. But the principles of being a vegetarian is to eat all this good stuff. Okay? So there's no room for the bad stuff to give you discomfort. It's to eat more healthfully. You've probably seen people have a smart vegetarian diet and a dumb vegetarian diet. And those that stop eating meat and just eat fake meat and still not eat more fruits and vegetables, that's a dumb vegetarian diet. Okay? So you've got to eat the fruits and vegetables, the nuts and seeds, the whole grains, and then add some fake meat if you want to. All right? I do not look on the laws of health as sacrifice or self-denial. Some do. They've never given up their desire for that which they think is giving them harm. Okay? And so it's important to move towards the cravings for healthy food and let the cravings for the unhealthy foods just fall away. That comes through prayer, not through sacrifice. That comes through prayer, not through uh, self-denial. You can get to that point yourself. And you want to lead people through. It took me about a year to become a plant-based dietary individual. Okay, I was raised in a, as a Catholic. I was exposed to some Adventists. The health message made good sense to me. And it took me a year after I became baptized to become a vegetarian. Now, I just, I, I, if I was in the wilderness and had to eat something, I'm not even sure I could eat what I'm not used to eating now. Okay? But then again, I'm not starving. I'm not sure what I would do in that situation. Okay? Um, but I've taken some wilderness classes. I know what leaves I can eat. I know what fruit that we don't normally find in Safeway we can eat. I know what roots we can eat. Um, at least I used to. <laughs> and, 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 and 
possibly in a wilderness situation, I would still be a plant-based dietary. But then again, I'm not hungry and starving. Okay? And praise God that we're, we live in a country where we don't have to be hungry and starving. Look at the big picture. Some of the major health issues are smoking, drugs, and alcohol. That's pretty much gone away with this group. We don't spend too much time on smoking. Even within our church, there's not many that smoke. But I tell you, prescription drugs and a little bit of alcohol is coming back into our church. So we need to not ignore it. But physical activity, good eating habits, a healthy weight, adequate rest, social emotional support, regular health and wellness checkups. I've talked to many individuals come through our clinics and say, oh, I'm afraid to go see the doctor. I have this lump on my breast. I'm afraid to go. It might be cancer. We've got such good medical care today. Early diagnosis is really preventive medicine. Okay. But the men are the ones that are most difficult to get to see the doctor. And on the last lecture on preventive health checks, we'll talk about how it's important to be engaged, work with your physicians and nurses, and have regular medical checkups. Because we will all come down with a disease eventually. If, it come, if, it's early, if it's early, like middle age, then there's probably something our doctors and nurses can do about it. Okay. Emphasize positive changes more than negative. Oh, look at this. Look what this says. Eat five or more servings of fruits and vegetables, whole grain breads, more legumes, rather than saying what? Give up meat. Now, you have to understand, I'm a staunch advocate for, for plant-based. I don't eat any meat. but. I would rather emphasize all the positive rather than say, don't, don't, don't. That's the principle I want you to learn from here. Suggest berries, melons, and grapes rather than never eat sugar. Okay. If, you, if some don't want to stop smoking, that's OK. Get them involved in an exercise program. Encourage them to improve their performance. And they will realize eventually that they can improve their performance only by giving up that which is in hindering their lungs and their heart. It's of little use to try to reform others by attacking what we may regard as their wrong habits. Rather, um, present what is better. Talk about the benefits of fruits and vegetables, the benefits of whole grains, the benefits of all that good stuff. And they'll come to the conclusion all by themselves that they need to eat less or no pigs and cows and chickens. Sure. Sure. Print, preach the positive. Start where people are and make changes gradually. I've talked to lots of people when I was doing clinical work that needed to lose 100 pounds. I never told them to lose 100 pounds. I always told them to lose 10 or 15 pounds. Let's work on what, what do you and I have to do? How do you, you need to engage yourself to lose 10 or 15 pounds? And we go through that process, and they lose 10 or 15 pounds. And then we talk, have a conversation again. OK, let's talk about the next 10 or the next 15. 100 pounds is too far away. It's too big a goal. So start small. And uh, sometimes you lose a friend when you send them back. Lose 100 pounds. That's true. That's Gene, you bring something up very important. Rather than telling your friend that they're fat, invite them at 6 o'clock in the morning to go for a walk, or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. 
Engage them in exercise. Figuratively hold their hand and let's go for a walk. And you will gain benefit as well as they. Is that right? Lead by example. Leading by example is not just showing someone how you lost 100 pounds. Leading by example might be zipping up your mouth and saying, let's go for a walk. Now, I urge you to walk briskly and not stroll around like you're window shopping. Okay? In fact, I even enjoy getting some exercise poles. We will talk about that in a moment. Teach people where they are and whatever their position or condition, help them whatever way possible. This is true ministry. You may need to be creative. Now, timing is important. If you've got someone who needs to stop smoking and doesn't want to, compared to someone who needs to stop smoking and wants to stop smoking, are they two different motivationals? Are they two different individuals that you need to approach differently? Yes. So you need to understand these stages of change. And I'll talk about those um, later because I want to get into my exercise talk now. Well, actually, that's what this here is just an introduction. So some people are in the action phrase. They actually want to stop smoking or they want to exercise. Some are just thinking about it. And so you approach these with education. You approach these with holding hands in seminars. We'll talk more about that later. A loving approach is always more effective than a condemning. None of us like to be judged. Okay. My son, my youngest, our youngest child, a son, at age, um, I don't remember, 17 or 18, received his first speeding ticket. He was quite distraught to tell his mom and dad about that. His dad wouldn't go with them to the judge, but his mother would. I was doing tough love, and my mother, my wife, his mother, was doing abundant love. I don't know. So anyways, they showed up, and the judge was absolutely marvelous. My son has never told a lie that I know of. And he says, yes, I was speeding, and I apologize for that. And um, the judge said, this is your first ticket. I could charge you three or four or five hundred dollars, whatever it was, because it wasn't five miles an hour over the speed limit. <laughs> now, he had changed from 55 down to 35, and he was still doing well over 55, as he was doing whatever he was doing. Wasn't paying attention. And the judge says, look, this is your first time. I know you've just started driving. Let's use this as a teaching, learning opportunity. And he forgave him and said, you know, go forth and sin no more. <laughs> or he said that in legalese, whatever that was. <laughs> My son really learned his lesson on that. He understood that, and he vowed to pay more attention. It was nice that the judge reinforced what mom and dad were trying to teach him, to pay more attention. Okay. Um, question over here? No. Um, sometimes the strongest sermon we'll ever preach is what, what we live by example. And so the positive effects of role models, of not smoking or drinking, being physically active, eating healthfully, you know, we've got some role models out there, unfortunately, that our young people look upon. You know, the Hollywood stars and the sons of the Hollywood stars, sons and daughters of the Hollywood stars. Some of them are absolutely crazy. And some are doing the right things. And I'd, I'd like to do a research project, interview all of them. Interview the Lindsay Lohans and the... Um, um, the other ones, you know, what was unique in her life that screwed, messed her up totally, and what was good and healthy in, in um, Scarlett Johansson's life that she hasn't yet, you know, been put in jail? What's different between these guys and girls who have unlimited money, unlimited fame and power? Some make wise choices, and some do not. 
I think that would be a powerful research opportunity and a powerful book to read, or to write and share and read. Those, I've read biographies of uh, Paul Newman and uh, Frank Sinatra and others, and some of their kids did wonderful things, and some of their kids were just totally messed up. And I marvel, and I see the good things that happened to them to influence them that, so they can make the right decisions, and others would not. Um, I've been to uh, meetings with uh, various hospital and medical clinic um, meetings, and we would sometimes meet in their choice of restaurant or bar, and they would marvel that I would go into the bars and, and have no trouble ordering an orange juice or, uh, or a ginger ale or something. And they'd sit there and have to eat, have to drink their alcohol. And we would have meetings. When my father passed away, my two brothers were marveled at how I could get, get through the, the, um, the struggle of my dad passing and going through that funeral. They were drunk as drunk can be, and that's the way they got through that. They, they didn't understand that alcohol makes, makes sadness more acute and makes depression more acute. Me, I was sad and depressed, and you know, I got over that, of course, but I didn't need alcohol to do that because of the lifestyle that I choose to live. People first. Um, I've talked about social occasions with youth when we allowed pizza and the good fruit to be available for our children to share with, with their friends. I do make it a point, though, when I, meet, when I eat out, especially this was true when we were traveling around the world, always made it sure that people knew that I was a vegetarian. And they went out of the way to make sure that I ate properly. Um, the one time where I forgot, we kind of muddled through it, and uh, I ate lots of vegetables. And they wondered why I didn't eat the steak that was there. And I shared with them, and they were so embarrassed. They were so embarrassed I didn't share with them earlier on. And they were OK. So I always learn to make sure they understand that. Um, I won't, when, when I'm at home, we won't eat too much of the cheese or milk. But when we're traveling, we end up doing that. I'm less concerned about that when I travel. But those are personal decisions you'll have to make. Um, people are more likely to make changes if they're accountable. And so if you can encourage them to take a record or embark upon a buddy system. This is why your friend, take your friend on a walk if they're struggling with losing weight, because it'll be good for you as well. If they need to stop smoking, take them on a walk. If they need to recover from the loss of someone, take them on a walk. Exercise is a great prescription drug. I call it R-E-X. Prescription exercise. Oh, Safeway. We worked with Safeway for uh, 17 years in the uh, Oregon area. They started a, um, the, the head of the Safeway distribution plant there wanted a, a fitness program, a wellness program for his employees. And so he took away all the, all the uh, cookies and cakes in the, in the break room and put fresh fruit and vegetables there. He added whole wheat buns to the, to the choices there, and he developed an exercise program. They developed an exercise program, and they created a t-shirt. And you could only get this t-shirt if you did so many miles a week, a month, a year. And every year, they had an awards banquet, and they gave out these t-shirts. And these t-shirts said, buns on the run, because they, they made Safeway buns. And they had buns that needed to exercise. You understand that? That was so popular, people wanted that t-shirt. But they could not get the t-shirt until they documented they had exercised so much. So they decided to come up with another t-shirt to motivate people to continue their exercise program. Guess what they called that t-shirt? More buns on the run. <laughs> so if you can come up with something unique like that and share that, that's a good idea. There's nothing wrong with that. So setting goals, changes that they want to make, not that you want them to make for you. 
I've had lots of people in my career that um, the wife brought the man to the smoking program because the wife wanted the man to stop smoking. Um, some of them were successful, but it isn't until they could internalize that they want to stop smoking did they become successful. But sometimes the daughter says, Daddy, I'm coughing because the doctor says my asthma is caused by you smoking. Um, would you mind stopping smoking? Sometimes that's enough because the love of the dad for the daughter is enough to get them to quit smoking. That's perfectly acceptable. So set some goals that are measurable, that are realistic, that are specific and time limited. And reward yourself. When you lose that 50 pounds this next six weeks that you're looking to lose, reward yourself. Or if you've got some friends that are struggling with whatever and they, and they stop smoking, reward them. Figure out some sort of reward. I've got a pen in my desk that, that I remember I was rewarded for something. I've got a couple shirts that I wear every once in a while that, oh yeah, that's my reward. If you, if you treat yourself to a trip to Bahamas or to Hawaii, take lots of pictures and that's your reward for whatever uh, that reward was reminding you of. So it's good to have incentives. Uh, we worked with Safeway, Nike, our Adventist hospital locally. There are various rewards that you can put together and let them be meaningful. They might be unique. Um, keep in mind the overall purpose is to secure the highest level of development of body, mind, and soul. You don't want to preach that too soon. In fact, you may never want to preach that. But that is your ultimate goal. My goal is not to live to be 100 years of age. It's to live forever. Whether or not I have to die first to get there, I don't really care. Oh, I mean, I would love to be around at the end of, end of the world. But do you know what's going to happen when that happens? You're not going to be wearing a white shirt and tie. Or if it is, it's going to be very, very dirty. Okay, and, and I'm not sure I want to see all that suffering and pain going around. Um, you know, I have to be real careful. I'm being recorded now. But, you know, there's, there's three choices there at the end of time. We will either be martyred or in prison or running away and living in a cave somewhere. If we're still accepting God's truth, those are only three choices. Isn't that right? The fourth choice is to go the, world, the way of the world, and I'm not going to do that. But those three choices. And after martyrdom, there's no, more there's no more pain and suffering. But there's lots of pain and suffering living in a jail or running away and living in a cave. So I'm glad I don't have to make a decision what's going to happen to me. That's up to the Lord to decide where that's going to be. But I, so my goal is to live forever whether or not I have to die first to get there, I don't have an opinion about. I'm not smart enough to make the decision. I just want to make sure I'm ready. Does that make sense? And how we lead people to that understanding is the fun challenge. You don't want to introduce that concept too early. You understand? So we need to understand the laws of nature, that they are the laws of God, and they're designed for our good. Obedience to them promotes happiness in this life. And if it doesn't promote happiness, then you're not ready for it yet. And don't judge folks. Let them, let them, let them ruminate on that for a while. And aids in the preparation for the life to come. Isn't that our ultimate goal? OK. Um, now I want to go through and just mention a couple things about our first talk this morning. Our first talk this morning, um, oh, I didn't bring it up yet, sorry. When you purchase the Eight Weeks to Wellness Instructor's Manual, you will get a CD that looks like this. All the materials are on this CD. You'll notice that there is a certificates. When people graduate, you can print off certificates. You can 
You can view these certificates in Microsoft Word format. You can handwrite their names on them, or you can computer generate. Oh, what's going on here? Okay, this is a merged document. It's a nice, you can get certificates from Best Buy, or uh, not Best Buy, uh, Home Depot, or no, um, Office, Office Depot, Depot or um, Staples. You can get all kinds of certificates. I would urge you to get a certificate. That's a reward for attending the class. And you can personalize them, or you can put it in a mage merge, mage merge, mail merge, and do it with Microsoft. Um, we have them in uh, PDF form. Oh, I'm not sure if I've got, yeah, I've got PDF. And then you can generate a certificate, date it, and sign it. And it's good to do that, okay? On the CD, you've also got um, quizzes. If you were to get the eight weeks of wellness on a DVD, there's quizzes at the end of them. Or you can use these quizzes as part of your class just to engage the participants, not only to see if they're paying attention, but to engage them and make sure they understand the principles that you're presenting. So we got quizzes. Now there's also lots of promotional materials. We've written for you um, um, some card stock that you could print off on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And you can just uh, put those in bulletin stuffers or pass them around in your neighborhood. We've got lots of uh, materials that you, Yes, it's just e that particular one was each week's topic. Um, here's a PDF. Here's a poster. Uh, this one is of uh, a lady getting dressed in the back of a, a uh, SUV, putting her shoes on, getting ready, and you've got room to put your date, time, and place, location, sponsor. So you can all handwrite that in, or you can use your computer to generate it, or you can make your own. Anyways, there's some samples there for you. Um, oftentimes, I will, resort, I will refer to some resources. And on the CD, there's um, 60 or 70 different PDF files of resources. And um, um, you know, you can, these are just things that we've been creative, put together seven goals for healthy living, for example. And you can use all of these as handouts in your various seminars. Remember, the worst you can do is do exactly what we tell you to do. <laughs> it's all here. It's printed down, and you just share the information, hand them out. Um, this is one that I really like, 10,000 steps a day. Well, that's in that book form. Uh, let me go back to this one. It talks about 10,000 steps a day. How many steps are you taking a day? Well, if you don't know, you need to know. Here's a pedometer, OK? We sell them. You can buy them on Amazon.com or, or Walmart. Everybody should have a pedometer to get used to what your usual and customary is, OK? And it, it takes me about somewhere between 2,000 steps and 2,500 steps throughout the day to get no exercise. That means just housework, walking around the yard, doing office work. It's about 2,500 steps. So beyond that is my exercise. So I don't like going to bed without this number being 10,000, 12,000, or 15,000. I even like it better when it's 20 or 25,000. But that means I didn't go to work that day. <laughs> okay? That means I went on a bicycle ride or I went on a three or four mile walk with my wife. And you know, we're active. And so um, find ways to be more active. So anyways, there's a whole resource file for you. Read the CDs. Go through all these resources. Understand what you need to do. Here's a USDA uh, nutrient resources that you can look at. And here's the presentations that we're doing, going through now. Um, this presentation, week one, I haven't officially done yet. But it is basically what I showed you already, 
when I did the How Healthy Is Your Lifestyle self-evaluation. It is that presentation. And I did that on purpose. I wanted you to see that. You can take one of those weeks and just do a standalone seminar all by itself. We did. We call it How Healthy Is Your Lifestyle. It stands alone. It talks about all the four major issues, smoking, exercise, fruits and vegetables, and Uh, was it sleep? No. I can't remember the fourth one. Anyways, uh, um, it talks about uh, sleep, fatigue, walking, regular exercise, um, talks about nutrition. I wanted to show you this slide. What do you think of this, this slide here? This is an artery. This is a reasonably healthy artery. You know, there's still a big lumen or there's still a big passageway in that artery to feed uh, the blood vessels. We would call this moderate atherosclerosis, but it's probably not enough to give any significant symptoms. This person would not be an Olympic athlete, but neither would they be bedridden, okay? Uh, there's plenty of space there to let the blood flow, oxygenate the tissues, and um, pretty much asymptomatic. It isn't until this whole area is blocked up with a um, little tiny holes all the way through so that blood can seep through, that's when it begins, becomes a problem, or if it gets totally blocked. So we don't see these heart attacks occurring until you've got 95 5% blockage or more, and you start getting these symptoms. There's lots of evidence of this prior to that. What is some of the evidence to heart attack prior to that? Well, that's what, what, what evidence is there before you get pain in the chest? What evidence is there before you get shortness of breath? High blood pressure might be a sign. Okay? High cholesterol might be a sign. Lack of exercise might be a sign. Carrying around excessive weight for 30 years might be a sign. You put all those together, although I've seen lots of skinny people who've had heart disease, so don't let me, don't let me think, don't let you think, don't let me make you think that you have to be overweight to get heart disease, okay? Um, so while this is the beginning of atherosclerosis, the end stage isn't real pretty. We talked about nut consumption, healthy fats we'll talk more about. We talked about whole wheat bread, grains, um, achieving a healthy weight. We recommend a body mass index of less than 25. You know what that is, BMI? Body mass index. We'll talk about that um, on the weight class, but it's a, it's a measure of your height and weight in a certain calculation, and we end up with a BMI. Less than 25 has been shown to have a greater chance of living longer. So that means we probably want to have a BMI of less than 25. If all the BMIs over 25 cause us to die prematurely, doesn't that make sense that we should have a BMI of less than 25? Okay? What's even more important is waist girth. So men, we should be less than 37 inches, and women, less than 35. For those of you that need metric, you can convert that. This is about 85, isn't it? I can't remember now, but anyways, we could figure that out. Here's some weight ranges for BMI. We'll talk more about it. The good news about weight is you don't have to lose very much to start getting benefit. Just 10 to 15 pounds makes a huge benefit. I tell people, if you can't get skinny, at least get fit. All those heavy people who are exercising have a lot better health than all you thin people who don't get any exercise. That's how important being physically active is. Choose lower calorie foods. 
Now, once again, fruits and vegetables, the non-fat dairy or soy milk, whole grains, brown rice, nuts and seeds. Um, for both men and women, the highest intake of fruit and vegetable has the lowest risk of premature death. So isn't it a good idea to eat more fruits and vegetables? Men and risk of stroke. Um, there's ischemic stroke in red and hemorrhagic stroke in, in um, yellow. The more servings of fruits and vegetables, the lower your risk of both kinds of stroke. If you have a history of stroke in your family, wouldn't it be a good idea to eat lots of fruits and vegetables? Free of dependence on smoking and alcohol. We won't talk about those too much. Those are the easier ones. Okay, here's looking at all of these good health practices. And if there are seven good health practices, those that practice all seven have the lowest mortality rate than those who practice only zero to three of those health practices. So wouldn't it be a good idea to do as best you can for all seven? But there's a progression of change, I would imagine, to get to all seven. Not everybody is going to jump on all seven right now. Help them do it one step at a time. They might do two or three at a time. Or they might just jump to all seven. I had a, a patient in Singapore that uh, my internist friend had been working with for two years to involve him in, uh, in the lifestyle program, in, in, you know, in, in New Start or Creation or 1958, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same thing. I love that 1958 that Teeny shared with us last night. I don't know how she came up with that, but I think it's great. It doesn't matter. They're all talking about the same thing. And he'd been listening to this, and his wife had embraced it with gusto, and he'd been listening to this, and, and um, uh, Dr. McFadden um, had been working with him, and he was just didn't want to do it. He was, he'd listened to it all, but didn't want to make any change. I joined the staff at Youngberg Adventist Hospital, and I started doing my thing. And I talked about, you know, the, the new start. I think we called it new start back then, but it doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. And for some reason, this poor gentleman decided to jump on the wagon and do everything in the next week, or almost everything. Almost everything. So he. He started eating all this fiber, and he started eating no meat, and he just, lots and lots of fiber. He wasn't ready to exercise too much, and didn't drink too much water yet. So he was admitted to the emergency room with a bowel impaction, because everything kind of stopped. My poor friend, Dr. McFadden, had to put some gloves on and assist this patient to relieve his bowels. So, yes, you can embrace it with gusto, but there's a process, and you've got to do it all. And in this particular case, he ate so much fiber, I'm not sure if, an, if there was any amount of water he could have done to, uh, to uh, assist in this process. True for men as well. All seven lowest risk of premature mortality. That's a good thing. I like that. So the best longevity predictors, predictors are, for both men and women, just in different, slightly different orders, physical activity, nuts, plant-based diet, maintain a healthy weight. And plant-based diet is fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, healthy weight. And a healthy weight is not just a thin weight. I have no problem at all in 15 or 20 pounds overweight. That is not a risk factor, OK? It's the 50, 60 pounds. It's that, 
it's that five or six pounds a year that in five years is 50 pounds. That's what gets us in trouble. Okay? So all those other four risk factors, none uh, versus all four, you see, none of those risk factors has a lower premature rate of dying than all of those risk factors for both men and women. So healthy choices, do they make a difference? Do you feel better yourself personally because you make these healthy choices? I know I do. And I especially notice when I travel, I'm outside of my routine. You know, I'm forced here to eat more food than I normally eat at home. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, so I, I often miss a meal when I'm at seminars like this because I don't need that much food. But again, if we didn't provide that much food to you, that'd be the most significant negative thing about this seminar because <laughs> food's so important for all of us, right? So that's basically week one. It's the same almost as how healthy is your lifestyle, and I want to share them both with you. Let's take a break. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.